0: Welcome, you're listening to The Rest of the Sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper in content and conversation of last Sunday's sermon at Westside in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. are back with the rest of the sermon, guys. Thank Wahoo. you so much for joining us this week. Again, we've got Miss Nikki, our family director, in with us. Miss Nikki, how are you today?
1: I'm doing well. Doing Wonderful. Well.
0: Good. Awesome. Well, we launched last week into a brand new series entitled Memento More. And before we dive in, I know we've got some questions that poured in kind of from last week, a little bit pertaining to this week, but really when you just talk about death. There's uh, going to be lots of questions. There's going to be a lot of questions, but one of the things that I want to do is um, pastorally, I always feel really pastoral when I recommend resources to people because um, I say this often, just because it's in a Christian bookstore doesn't mean it's Christian. True story. And then secondly, it's really overwhelming to walk into a Christian bookstore. Oh. And I think people are like denominations. And so, so anyway... When it comes to this topic, and I'm actually going to mention it in my sermon this Sunday, there is a lot of stuff out there like near-death experiences books and a lot of weird stuff when it comes to death and Christianity. I should say... Commercial Christianity. There you go. Yeah. And and so um, one book that I have found really helpful in my prep that I I really like the approach. I like the a lot of stuff, and it's a book by Lee Strobel. You guys will probably remember the Case for Christ, really really popular book. But Lee Strobel has a series of books called the Case for Blank, and yeah. that's just kind of his thing. But there's a book called the Case for Heaven and it's A Journalist Investigates Evidence for Life After Death. The title sounds cheesy, A Case for Heaven, But I really, really enjoy his approach. And so um, the first couple of chapters are really good. There's some good insights. I'm using a quote from it um, this week. Actually, in the back of the book, there's a couple of questions, almost kind of like our series and stuff like that. But that's a book that I would recommend to you guys. If you're wanting to get into this topic a little bit deeper about death, about the afterlife, what does all of this look at, the case for heaven, fantastic by lee strobel yeah
1: and i think i think it's a good because he is absolutely um established this isn't new this isn't him his first book out it's for sure stuff
0: and and the way that he approaches it is he approaches it as a skeptic yeah and i appreciate that yeah because then that means there's a level of honesty there Christians of all people sometimes are not the most honest.
1: Oh, <laughs> and so, and
0: so, yeah, right, for sure. So, Miss Nick, you got some questions pertaining to either last week, just in general. Let's hear these questions okay. and see, do our best to answer them. So,
1: last week we kicked off Momento Mori, yep. and you gave us some really heavy homework that yep. we discussed um, writing our own obituary. Yeah. So, just so the listeners know, um, the sermon drops. Sunday yep um, Tuesday is when we record yep. our podcast and it goes live Wednesday so sometimes the questions don't always get out to the people yeah and they got to sit on it for a minute sure. I'm a, I take a little bit to process I understand um, big idea remembering our death renews our life
0: yeah
1: okay and in that you gave us the heavy task of writing our own obituary yeah and one of the questions that came in that I thought was really good was why do we need to write our obituary? What is it supposed to make us realize? And they followed that with obituaries are only typically positive, but it kind of feels like you boil your life down to a few paragraphs and it might show how insignificant you are.
0: (laughs) I would say that they're, that they answered their own question almost. So why did we do the exercise? Well, number one, this is actually a very common self-reflective exercise that maybe a counselor or a psychologist or somebody might do with somebody who is either facing a crisis in their life or um, a midlife crisis, whatever. Because what it, number one, what it makes you do is it makes you evaluate. Right. It makes you self-reflect, uh, which is always healthy and always good to pause and go, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? All of those things. So number one, it makes us self-reflect and slow down. Number two, their answer was actually in the statement that James, in the first week, we just read these plethora of scriptures that in Psalm 90, the Bible says that our life is like the dew on the grass, so if you if you remember this in, on sun or on in summer mornings, the dew is there. You can't mow your lawn first thing when you wake up, which frustrates me because I would love to mow my lawn when I first got up. Oh, you're but, one of those yep. people on. But Saturday. you can't because you have to wait till about ten a.m. when the sun evaporates it. So it doesn't even last till lunch. Right. Okay. And Psalm ninety says that's your life in comparison with the eternality of God. So. If we need to self-reflect and slow down, A, B, wow, our life is really short. I heard from every single person and I heard from some group leaders where they were like, when I wrote that, I turned to my wife and said, 40 years, it fits on an eight and a half by right. 11 piece of paper, you know?
1: It, well, and in my community group, when we were discussing this, if you've ever written an obituary for a loved one to put in the local paper. Sure. They charge by the word. So sometimes you want to shrink that, which makes it seem like you're not going to get the true knowledge of who the person was through that obituary. Yeah,
0: sure. And then I would say the last thing is is to make us go, okay, what am I doing with my life? Mm. If my life really is this short, if it really does fit on a piece of paper, if I'm pausing and reflecting, why am I doing, what am I doing? I think it's important for us to go, what legacy am I leaving behind? What is? What are people going to say about me? Is it just going to be cliche stuff like, they like to garden, which, oh. which is great, great. That's fine. That's I think you should garden. Save the planet. That's awesome. That's great. But what we're talking about here is leaving a legacy impacting our life. And so the exercise was really a direct application of the big idea that remembering our death renews our life. So after you wrote the obituary, the goal was for you to get up or after you read it in group and go, man, here's where I really want to focus in my life and here's where I really want to make a difference for the Lord. So I
1: love that. I think that answers um, one of the other questions that came in yeah. when you said, why is it still? And the question was, why is it still hard for some, even after acknowledging that life is short, some yeah. things don't matter. Why is it hard for us to let it go? Mm. Whether it be an argument with a loved one, yeah. um, you know, my house isn't clean sure. enough or I've got the long to do list yeah, and that. You
0: know. Absolutely. And, and it goes back to we talked about those top five regrets. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason why it's difficult for us to let it go is because we don't remember our death. Right. I would go that far. Yeah. I would say the reason why the argument and wiping down the counters again. And doing all of that is because we live so much for the moment and the future and all of those things that we just don't. Because what we said is, is when we remember our death, that really changes the priority lists. And none of the regrets out of the top five regrets from that chaplain was, I wish I had done another load of laundry.
1: No, no. Yeah.
0: (laughs) You know, so yeah.
1: So I think that does, when we focus on our spiritual side of death, that does kind of change our practicality view. 100%. The laundry is not going to matter. Yep. And I promise if you, we all were to die today and there's a mess in the laundry room, no one's going to care. Yeah. You get a pass. Yes. Um. But you mentioned Psalm 90. Mm-hmm. Um, how should we talk to our children about death? Are there mm. other passages other than Psalm 90 to help with that? Yeah,
0: it's a really, really great question. And it's one that we've been walking through and experiencing in our family with Courtney's grandmother passing away, which I, what I said was kind of the seedbed for this series. And so number one, I would say this, I would say, we always want to frame every conversation with our kids in the context of the Bible and Jesus. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, even if it is the primary death of a loved one that's just rocked the family and the kid is constantly wanting to talk about that, I would say, yes, let that kid ask questions. Don't shut them down. I mean, this is these these are the conversations, guys. This is what matters. But, I would constantly try to end the conversation and bring it back to Jesus, the resurrection, Jesus beat death, he has hope. All of, that's what we're trying to do yeah. right now. So it's let's flesh out these hard questions, let's talk about this and then let's get it to Jesus. Secondly, I think, you know, one of the illustrations with the kids was was like okay, well, if Gaga died but her body's there, what are we talking about? Like, mm. is she here? Is she not here? And we're actually going to talk a, a lot about that this week in the sermon. But, you know, I said to be absent with the bodies, to be present with the Lord, Gaga's with Jesus. And then Piper was like, but that's her body. And so we, I kind of used the illustration and said, you know, a candy wrapper has the candy bar inside. That's the good stuff. And then when you eat the candy bar, you throw away the wrapper right? So I said, the good stuff about Gaga and her life that we knew her, that's with Jesus. That's that's in heaven with Jesus. But the wrapper the is what her body was, and that's what we put into the ground in hope that the resurrection of the body, that her soul and body will be united together. And so I think it's just having the conversation with them.
1: I think that's very wise. And I think um, as my daughter was 11, when yeah. she lost you know, her first big loss, my grandmother, who was, you know, my daughter does not remember a time that my grandmother did not live with my mom. Mm. Uh, And so, like, they had a very unique, close kind of bond. um, And it it devastated her at Mm -hmm. 11. But there were times I said, I don't know. And as a parent, when you're dealing with a child grieving, I think the candy wrapper is a great illustration for that, especially the younger kids that don't quite... Know how to marry? This. Yeah, yeah, it's it's more than they're capable of. <clears throat> so yeah. speaking to them, and as a parent, you know where they are emotionally. Hundred percent. Um,
0: and and I think one word of caution is is I'll say this. I love what you said about the I don't know. I don't know. I would much rather someone say I don't know than a cliche hallmark answer. Mm-hmm. And we need to be very careful about, um, well. Jesus needed Gaga. Yeah. Well, no, that's not true. And then at one point, Piper was starting to drift towards like, but I love my Gaga. And if Jesus took my Gaga, then why is Jesus good? She wasn't saying she was, that. No, but, but the, the anger, end of the road yeah. was kind of heading there. And so, what it really honestly has been, if death has rocked your family, is a lot of holding and crying. Yeah. That's what it's been. Now, if death hasn't rocked your family and your kids are just asking these questions, then I think you're a little bit freer in the conversation to actually ask them and stuff like that. But I think honesty, honesty wins all the time.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, And then that kind of leads into our next question because we are left here. We are grieving. We are I know for you and Courtney, you were processing your own grief while trying to guide your children. I was in the same situation. Sure. Um, Why is death not always a celebration when we are Christian? And even, I'm going to take it as far as saying, because I knew Donna was, I know my grandma Mm -hmm. was, they were both saved believers. We Mm -hmm. know where they were going. Why is that not always a celebration?
0: Yeah, I think I would refer to Jesus and Lazarus Mm -hmm. and the verse that i talked about this week the two words jesus wept and what's interesting is is we know jesus knows he's about to raise lazarus from the dead yeah so why would he cry because that is what it is to be human mm-hmm. and so it's not always a celebration because life is not always a celebration now god says precious is the death of a saint in his sight and so in his sight It's beautiful because his kids are coming into his presence in a way that they weren't before and all of that. But it's not always a celebration because we are human. Right. And we are human beings who have emotions. And really another gist of this series is because it's in Lent is to remind us that everything is broken. right? That it does not have a happy ending. That apart from Christ and even with Christ – Right now, it seems like death is winning. Right, in the moment. And we live in faith and hope that because of the resurrection of Jesus, then there will be the resurrection of the dead, and every wrong will be made right. But right now, it feels like death is winning. That's why, guys, we read the rest of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And the Apostle Paul says stuff like, I don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who have fallen asleep. He's answering questions to people who are saying, Hey, I know you're saying Jesus rose from the dead and that we're winning, but buddy, it doesn't feel like it. So and it, and it doesn't. So if you don't feel that way, I would say A, you're in good company. B, it's a sign that you're human. And C, it's an opportunity for you to really press into the faith and hope of the gospel. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that's great. Okay. Now we're going to switch it and and it is. It's a great question, and I love this. Are there seasons of death? I'm going to start there, and then we'll get a little deeper into this question. Mm,
0: Interesting. I mean, so number one, biblically, I would say no, apart from a plague or... You know, something like that. I mean, I think we just all experienced a season of death with COVID. Right. So um, is there a set season of regular death? No. But I think if there's sickness, pandemic, and stuff like that, I think saying a season of death is pretty appropriate. So.
1: Well, this question stems from people say that death happens in threes and or sevens, and it seems like they do come in waves. Sure. Would that be biblical? And you're saying no, so it would be more earthly.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I think even then, it's more—so I read the statistics Sunday that— They were heavy. Yeah, that 178,000 people die each day, 7,425 people die each hour, and an estimated 120 people die each minute. So that answers the question right there. No, it doesn't come in threes and sevens. Right. I think that that's a—I used to work at a funeral home, and that was kind of an old wise tale that was told there— But I think what happens in those moments is that our awareness becomes heightened. So Bob Saget passes away. Oh, my gosh, that's on the news. Boom, Betty White or something. And so I think it's our awareness when a major death happens that we then become aware of other deaths. But the reality is, just listening to this podcast, hundreds of people worldwide, universally, are are going to die in that sense. That
1: so. the number is um, like five times the population of Butler County. Yep. Every day.
0: Yep, that's crazy. So the, that's a lot. Like if number. you thought about filling the Coliseum to capacity, about seven thousand people, and then wiping them out every you know, second and then refill. I mean- Each
1: hour. I mean, yeah. that would when take out the think, Coliseum yeah. out every night. When you
0: think about that, then you realize, yeah. oh my goodness, that's, that's a lot. It's a you lot. Know? Yeah, for sure.
1: You, I don't know anybody with that many Facebook friends. Right. Like that is, that's <laughs> a lot. But I love that those questions come through because I mean, and that's the point of this podcast is to, yes. there's not everything you can say on a Sunday. You've got 100%. limited time. Yeah. Um, and and this isn't exactly the easiest yeah, topic, right? Um, but I think it's a necessary topic.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, you said this probably will not be your favorite sermon series I've ever done. Yeah, for sure. Um, friend, the feedback is yep. You were right on that <laughs> one. Like, it's absolutely. good feedback. The conversations that, are great.
0: Yeah, that's the key. And I think I've heard of a really good definition of preaching is that preaching should not end a conversation; it should begin one. And so that's kind of the goal of this series.
1: I think it is okay. So digging into this week, we yep. were in the text. We were in basically the fall. Yeah. Genesis three was where the text come from, yep. and it was where where did death come from?
0: I think we have to start there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean,
1: it, and it has to you know come from the beginning. Yes, and we read a couple of different you know, passages through Genesis three, you can read all of Genesis three and you'll get it. Um, But I'm going to start in 317 because this is God talking to Adam. And he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you in pain. You shall eat of it all of the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat the bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So that was God speaking to Adam after Adam... Yeah. Eight, following Eve's lead, after a started this. So this is where we are, and all the farmers are like, we understand that pain and <laughs> toil. We know right Absolutely. where we're at.
0: Yes. <clears throat> I think we have to start there in the question because, and it was kind of the story that I told in the beginning, we've all encountered a moment when death became real to us, mm-hmm. and it entered in, and it either took something from us or it made us realize something can be taken from me. So, yeah.
1: I don't I don't think any of us are immune from it.
0: Absolutely.
1: I mean, yep. 100% chance you will die. I'm yep. so sorry. Yep. Um, so this is a universal story. But one thing about it is and I know this from everybody and I had I was speaking with a lady at lunch on Sunday and as the sermon is playing out, she's sitting in the room and I have no I was not in there. I was in the back with the kids. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the weight of it comes through. She was acutely aware of the people in her proximity who had experienced some type of loss. Mm-hmm. She herself has experienced it. Sure. So she was like, uh, she was thinking, okay, this one is going through this. This one just went through that. This yeah. is here. And you said, death seems so wrong. And you you went to John mm-hmm. and and you talked about Lazarus, and they told him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Yeah because Jesus did not feel right with it, because this was not the intended design.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And, and I think we, the reason why, and that was just to put some language maybe to feelings. And, and I said this, I said, no matter if they're 80 years old, 18 years old, or 28 years old, at that graveside, there's a part of us that go, man, Like, why did this person have to leave? Why does cancer exist? Why does all of these things? And, you know, another scripture is Ecclesiastes, says that God has placed eternity in the heart of every man. And that is for us to long for eternity, that relationships and people and these things would never end. But the reality is, is that they seem wrong because in a way, it, it is. And, and the first point was death was never a part of the original design. Right. Yeah.
1: But because death did enter here, mm-hmm. we get into, we know Jesus wept, we know Jesus was angry, but we've got to back up even, even further. Adam had everything good and everything he needed. Yep. And you listed the three types of death
0: yeah and the command so in Genesis two sixteen and seventeen God says, Hey, everything's made, you can eat of everything in the garden, but not of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for in the day that you eat of it you will die so that that's the first time in the Bible that the word death is mentioned die right there Genesis two seventeen and the question that we had to ask was, well what kind of death is it what what does God mean because we know that they eat of it, but they don't die right. immediately. At least Adam lives to like 900 years old or something like that. So then we walk, excuse me, walk through the three types of death in the Bible.
1: Okay, and then we we spoke of, and I read it in the text. The physical death. You yep. will return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return.
0: Yep. So this is when your body expires, as a doctor would say, and a coroner. My father-in-law would pronounce an official time and date of when your your heart stopped beating, um, your lungs stopped filling with air, all of that. So that is the physicality of your body (coughs) expiring and going into the ground.
1: Okay. And then you got into the spiritual death. Yeah. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of power of the air, the spirit that is now at work with the sons of disobedience. And you were quoting Ephesians in that. Yep among ones whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind.
0: Yeah, so what I said about the spiritual death was is we have to go back again in Genesis, and there's this moment when God creates the man, and then it says that he breathes in him the breath of life. And in the old King James, it says that the man became a living soul. So then when we ask about spiritual death, we have to ask ourselves: well, what is our spirit? What is this? And so there's a number of ways that you can look in this. Um, 1 Thessalonians has a chapter or a verse in it where the Apostle Paul says, basically, your body, your spirit, and your soul. But most theologians either agree that we're a trichotomy, which means that we have a physical body. Mm -hmm. We also have what is called like, a spirit or a personality or whatever, and then we have our soul. Now, sometimes the Bible uses these words interchangeably, but a very simple way to think about it is this. You have a body and you have a soul, and your soul is eternal. Okay, That is the part that lives on forever after you die. And what the physical death is, is when your soul leaves your body, your body is left here, Uh, 2 Corinthians says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But what spiritual death is, is being separated from God. And so the spiritual death is, is when Adam ate of the tree, his spirit that was connected and communed perfectly with God was now severed because of the sin of disobedience. And so now, just as the passage says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and so the spiritual death is the ending of that relationship with you and God. And we're actually born that way, the, right. Bible, the Bible says. Psalm 51.5 says <laughs> we are born in iniquity and sin. So nobody is born naturally loving God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then loving their neighbor as their self. They are born loving themselves, <laughs> and every that's it. parent of a toddler yes.
1: understands that completely. Yes.
0: yes, and so those two are real, kind of big, and the spiritual one's tough to, and it's a lot of information, but it's important to know. Well,
1: it is, and we will, we will definitely come back to that. Yeah. And the third and final death you spoke of was the eternal death, Oof. and you read Revelation twenty-one eight, yeah. but it is for the cowardly, the faithlessness, the detestable. As for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So that's where our hellfire and brimstone.
0: So what's important to know is this is the eternal death, and we're, again, going to talk about this this week. A lot of times when people think of heaven and they think of hell, it's mentioned in Revelation 21 and 22 that's actually the end of time. Mm -hmm. That's when, quote unquote, the world ends. But actually it's when God comes to renew everything and makes it like Eden again. And so the reason why it's called the eternal death is because that's when death is actually died. That's when death will be no more. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. He has shut them up. All justice all of his wrath, all of those things are now eternally and forever satisfied, and they are thrown into the lake of fire. So that's the eternal death.
1: Indeed. So the common thread throughout death that we can, it's soul from body, body from our loved ones, yep. and us separate from God.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and you, going back to the text, disobedience is the doorway to death.
0: Yeah, that was point number two. Uh, so it was kind of building. Like, yeah. Number one, you needed to know why does death seem wrong? Death was never a part of the original no. design. It was always perfect. And and then you kind of mentioned it. The, the definition that we kind of worked for for death is death is separation. Because you can't say death is when life ends. Because no, right. we don't believe that. We believe that your soul still lives on in eternity somewhere. So it's separation. And then the next point is, well, then how did death enter in? Death entered in through the doorway of disobedience.
1: And that... There's some questions coming from yeah. that statement alone Great. and I love it good. Um, so you were in like I said we were in Genesis so if you read Genesis through the fall it'll it'll walk you through every point. Absolutely. One thing I can say Jason does very well is it's not Jason's opinions or he is absolutely guided through the Word of God And
0: I will say this I think Genesis three really one, two and three are some of my favorite chapters in all the Bible. Oh. I I mean I reference them and come back to them and when we start series and we do just because it is it's the explanation of everything it gives us the answers. Well when we
1: ask I mean cuz we're we're human we're created to que- we question everything. Why? Absolutely. Why? <laughs> why? Yes. Why? Yes. Have a 2-year-old, you're going to hear why. <laughs> yes. And this answers are why. I yeah. mean Genesis 1, hey, you're made. God says, "Hey, don't do this." And here we are. Genesis three, and they did it. Yep. Um, and disobedience is the doorway to death. Yeah. So the big idea: death is the result of disobedience to God's good word.
0: And that's not the answer that everybody expects, but that is the theological implications. Once we start teasing that out, make complete sense. And the reality is, is that God placed Adam in the garden. And Adam had everything he needed. Adam and Eve had perfection. And God said no to this one thing. And there's questions why even put the, but what it comes down to is, is a choice. Yeah. I need to put an alternative here to see if they trust me. And so if, if I say, you have everything you need, don't look behind door number one, you now have an opportunity. You can trust what I've said and not look behind door number one, or you can become consumed with it, believe the lie, and think I'm holding out on you and disobey and look behind door number one.
1: Which is exactly what Adam and Eve did. They believed the lie.
0: Yep, 100%. So,
1: therefore, sin came into the world through one man, death through sin. Yep. And so, death spread to all men because all sin and that was Romans 5:12.
0: And and I would say this, reading Romans really chapter 3 to chapter 5 is going to give you almost like a commentary on Genesis chapter 3. So for for your Bible study nerds, if you really want to know the theological implications of what Adam and Eve did, the best way to interpret scripture is with scripture. Mm. So go to Romans chapter three, start there and read three, four, and five. And really chapter five is almost like the culmination. And you're like, oh, this makes sense now. Oh, so. I love
1: that you said that because some of the questions we got are specifically to this. Great. So that is a great application Awesome. Um, for those who sent me these questions. They will know who they are and yeah, what they sure. should do with them. So why does what Adam did, Yeah. okay? We understand that it, one man sinned, we all sinned. Sure. Why does it make me feel guilty?
0: Mm, that's a good question. So there's a, there's a really big theological term that's called federal headship, okay? And Paul references this in Romans 5. Maybe I can use this illustration to help. Think about our governor's or our president of the United States. When our president sits down with other world leaders at NATO or something like that, he represents you and me. Right. He represents the American people. We voted him into office. He carries that. He represents that flag. He represents those people. Our governor, same thing. City council, same thing. What we understand that Adam was for humanity is he was the archetype. He was the example who represented all of humanity. So when Paul says sin entered in through that one man because he disobeyed, here's what's interesting. In Genesis chapter 4, so what's interesting, in Genesis 3, we never see Adam and Eve produce anything until they produce Cain and Abel. Mm. And what happens with Cain and Abel? Yeah, that's... Cain kills Abel. Mm Mm-hmm. So right, inners. well, you could say it this way: they only produced death, mm. and so now because of the fall, death now reigns in our bodies, and the same happened with them. Why does it make us feel guilty? Is because we are sinners by nature, and so the reason why we feel when we hear that we feel that that's us. In a way, it almost kind of is through that federal headship. And the reality is, is we would have done the same thing. Adam was perfect. Adam, I mean, so you can't say, well, I would have not done or I would have. Adam represented perfection right. in light of that. But here's the good news. I would also say the opposite is true in the gospel. That Jesus, because he was perfect and didn't sin, he is what Paul calls the second Adam. Yes. So Jesus did what Adam could not do, live the life we couldn't live, died in our place, even though he didn't deserve death. So to that listener, I would say this, the reason why you feel that guilt is because you are a sinner. But I would I would say good news to them, the same is also true for Jesus. Yeah. And so the grace that Jesus has, you can now feel that same grace. So yeah, we we are condemned because Adam was condemned, but we are also um, renewed and given life because Jesus offers that.
1: But I love that because there is a conviction that comes in that. that sure. we, we do take some ownership because we do feel yeah. some of that guilt, but we are blessed and grateful. And because Jesus lived that perfect life that, I'm sorry, guys, I'm not a perfect person. <laughs> it's just not going to.
0: But what's important to know is, is so why when Jesus is standing there angry at, at Lazarus's tomb, we need to feel the same thing now. So when, when we stand there at Gaga's funeral or when you're there with a loved one and they've just passed away, it's okay to feel angry because it's not supposed to be this way right. and to be angry at sin and death. And now that person didn't die because of one specific act of sin. That's not what we're saying. We're saying that humanity dies because humanity is cursed under death. But Jesus, thanks be to God, and that's why we celebrate Easter, and that's why we're spending so much time studying death. So now we go, oh, I get it. This is why we celebrate Easter now, that one day there's not going to be death anymore.
1: And that is Oof. a huge thing. Come like, on, man. Yeah, Absolutely. I am ready for that, ready to be there. But what
0: was important and what I wanted to do, and I know this is where you're going to go next, is I wanted to pause and bridge really the gap here because if sin equals death, ultimately that's what we're saying. That's what we're saying. That the origin of death is sin, sin and death synonymous. I wanted to go, okay, so the pain, the heartache, the grief, the devastation that death causes, do I view my sin that way? Do I view... Why do I view the death of a loved one as so devastating, but I don't view my sin as inviting spiritual, emotional, relational death into my life? That was a big—we needed to ask that question.
1: Is there an answer to that? Because that was one I got, why should I? View the death of say a loved one. Yeah. And this one referenced her brother specifically. Yeah. As my disobedience to God's word is the same thing. My brother is dead. He was taken from us mm. in a tragic accident. Yes, I know I'm not perfect and I'm I'm a sinner. I, I'm working, I, I'm walking through the process of sanctification. Sure. It is a process, guys. No one gets there quickly. Amen. Um, but why should I view it in that way?
0: Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I am so sorry that you lost your loved one. I think now I say that just differently than when I used to say it. Well, you've experienced it, and I want to pause there for a second because I
1: sat last Wednesday. um, A little background into me. um, I am the product of a teen pregnancy Mm -hmm. without my grandmother helping my mother through my form. I mean, I was a baby, and I went home to grandma and mom. My grandma was very influential in my upbringing. Um, when she got dementia, she moved in with my mom. Mm. I was helping with my, I mean, my grandmother was a huge, there's five women in my life that I can say are the reason why I'm here. Wow, She's one of them. Last Wednesday, I sat down to write my obituary. It was the fifth anniversary of her death.
0: Oh, wow, man. I wow. was
1: not, I knew all day. Sure. Could not get the headspace though. And didn't realize, didn't recognize yeah, this, this is, is why. Yeah, this is what it is. Wow. But I sat beside a man who will be turning 60. Yeah. And he said, I've not lost anyone super close to me. And I'm thankful for that. Sure. And he was the only one in the room that could really kind of say that. Yeah. So it the devastation that death brings is different. And I love that you now can say, I've experienced it in a different way. Because you had worked in a funeral home for years.
0: Yeah, but man, when it comes and and now you grieve and do all of that. So I would say that first and foremost. But I want to take us back in the sermon. Yeah. The reason why we can view these two things as the same thing is because death is separation. Okay, so, so the loss of this listener's brother was separation from their brother, right? And the pain and the heartache that that feels, we should feel the same heartache for our sin because it separates us from God. It only brings devastation. It, I mean, one of the things we said is a lie will never produce life. No. So the reason why we lie is it's an antithesis. It will never produce that. And actually, all a lie does produce is death. Mm. That's all it produces. And so, what it really was is a question for us to evaluate our relationship with God and go, how serious am I taking this? I mean. Sin and death is so serious that God died on a cross for it. Yeah. But for us, we say things like a white lie. Mm. And so, man, when we really start looking at if death equals separation and the separation from me and my loved one caused pain and grief, why don't I view my sin, which if it leads in the long run, Could lead me in separation of God. Why don't I view that the same? And the reality is is because of sin. Right. Because our heart is so hard and is so calloused that Romans 1 says that literally our our heart can be almost like a farm, a laborer's hands. That because they've done something over and over and over, their hand gets calloused. The same thing is true for us in our sin. If we persist in that and do it over and over our heart will become hard to the things of God and it will become calloused. And that's a dangerous place to be. That's yeah. a scary place to be. It,
1: well, but I think you answered that very well. And it's an evaluation question. Yes. Take a moment, take a beat, yeah. pause and stop and think of where you are in your walk with Christ Yeah. and then proceed forward. And,
0: and that's why I read the, the words from John six is because now in light of that, when people When Jesus asks his disciples, well, do you guys want to leave me now? And the Mm -hmm. disciples say, Peter says, no, where will we go? You have the words of eternal life. So now we start to understand the gravity of God's word, what obedience is, all of that. If my sin produces separation and death and devastation and Peter says that the words of Jesus literally are life. We sort of closed and used this illustration. What if I told you that you had a chronic illness, like you are going to die, but the good news is is if you take this pill at the same time every day, it will subside it, and you won't die from this disease. I just asked the question and said, you think you'd forget to take the pill? I saw some people's head nod yes. (laughs) That was so funny. But the reality is, is you're going to go, um, my entire life is going to revolve around this medication schedule. And I just said, why don't we view God's word, the gospel that way?
1: Because it is. I mean, it is absolutely the same way. It is
0: the words of life. It's the only good. It's the only thing that's going to produce change and transform. Every minute and every second meditating on the gospel or reading the Bible or praying or living in community with other believers is a second that is devoted to life.
1: Yeah, and it and it and we overcomplicate and we oversimplify all the same time. Yep, absolutely. Overcomplicate, I got to be perfect to follow Jesus. No, the point is, guys, we're not perfect. Because
0: Jesus was perfect.
1: Jesus was perfect.
0: And that was the end sentence, as we said, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus took on death By living a perfect life of obedience, dying on the cross, and being raised on the third day. So Jesus does the opposite of Adam. Mm -hmm. Jesus fulfills his father's will, but still faces death. Adam rejected his father's will, and death entered in. So Jesus didn't even deserve death because he lived perfect. But we know that his life was perfect because God raised him on the third day. And what that is, is that's a preview for what's to come for all who would believe.
1: I love that. I love that sometimes as Christian, we need these harder truths, sure. these moments of self-evaluation Because sometimes we will think, oh, well, why does death have to happen to so-and-so? Sure. She was such a good person. They were just a kid. Mm, I'm not ready for so-and-so to be gone. I Mm. need more from them. And we bring it back to what we need Mm. and who we are or who they were. Yeah. We're all still sinners. That's good. Those of us that are grieving are still sinners. Those of us who pass were still sinners.
0: Do you know what this series kind of is? And this just came to my head. And I think you, with the spiritual gift of ADD, might appreciate this. Mm -hmm. This series is that moment in The Wizard of Oz when they peek behind the curtain and they go, Oh, it's not the great and powerful Oz. It's, it's this lonely little old man, and their whole world is shattered. Yeah, The whole purpose of this series is to go, oh, everything's broken, and it's broken because of this, but God is fixing it and making it new through his son, Jesus. But it's just that subtle reminder. And for me, so somebody that was sort of a skeptic, rejected Christianity, this, that, and the other... I see it now as, honestly, the only plausible answer for the way that things are is death. Because these are the big philosophical yeah, questions, the, right? Yeah, absolutely. These are the deep questions that guys spend lives meditating on. And for me, Christianity has the worldview that makes the most sense. Because if you're not a believer, if you're athe- agnostic, whatever, reject that. I would just ask, like, what's your hope then? Right. What's your hope for a dad who just lost his six-year-old daughter? Mm-hmm. And and that person might argue back, well, are you just trying to give them a sympathetic hope? And my thing is, no. I'm trying to give them reality. What is going to get somebody through to make sense of life? Because if there's not a reason Why are we here? Why does it matter? Why does this break my heart? Why does all of that? And I just think Christianity has the worldview that makes the most sense in that. And it really has the best answer for death, which was kind of leading into our application questions. Yeah,
1: I I like these application questions. Um, How does this biblical view of death change your view of death?
0: I think for me, it's given me a sense of hope as to how to answer it. That it comes that kind of those three points in the beginning, that it's real, it's universal, and it's inevitable. You can't fight those things. So rather than fighting those things, I can now understand why those things exist. And so in my study during this series, that's kind of what's changed my view of it in the sense. How about you?
1: Um, for me, I am a why person. Mm-hmm. Um so I I need the I need the why questions sometimes answered and they don't have to be answered fully. Yeah. I just need a little bit for me to like hang on. Yeah. And I keep going back to okay if Jesus was perfect and I know I'm not, facts. Yeah. Why not, why, why not me? Why, why Jesus, like Mm, Jesus had to die and he was perfect. Why would I think I am better than that, exempt from that? I'm not. I'm absolutely not. So for me, it's, yeah, it's going to happen. I'm going to be touched by it. But
0: the second question, question. you could hear the air suck out of the room on Sunday. (laughs) I wasn't
1: in the room and I'm kind of glad because (laughs) you really do feel tensions build. Sure. Where am I inviting death into my life through my disobedience to God's good word?
0: And so the, I, every word was chosen very carefully in the big idea that death is the result of disobedience to God's good word. That's the key. That's the cadence that we see in Genesis 1. It's good. It's good. It's good. And so for me to disobey or reject that, I believe a lie that something is better than mm. what God is offering me.
1: I always come to teenagers in this, 100%. and I say this as you know, my my kids are that age. I was that age, and I was that. I didn't see in the moment with my parents that they had the guardrails up. Yeah, they were protect. They were bump. You go bowling. Yeah, the little kids have the little bumpers, or you yes. go skating, and you got the little walker thing. Yes, those are protectors. Yes, that, but but but. What,
0: what, what? I say this this all the time. I say when my parents, and I've been very open about my testimony, but whenever my parents kick me out of the house and- I
1: love that you still say it that way. I
0: said, in the moment, I was like packing my stuff in a trash bag and I was like,
1: I cannot believe
0: you're kicking your own son out. I cannot believe all this stuff. I'm out of here. I was like, I'm leaving. I can't believe all of this. And now I look back, basically what I was saying was, I cannot believe you guys feed me. Right. Cannot believe you guys put a roof over my head. How I cannot dare that. You guys love me. Are you kidding? And that's in the moment. That's exactly what we're saying. But mm-hmm. to bridge the gap to that, Nick, that's what we're doing to our heavenly father. All the time. So when I say sex is supposed to be like this or money is supposed to be like this, I am literally looking at the God of the cosmos and I'm going, I think my way is better. Yeah. And it's... It's laughable, but the result is death, you know?
1: Yeah. Because you really needed to know how many eyelashes a giraffe has. Correct. You know, because you you could plan that out. So why why not? But it is, it's God's good word. Amen. It is good all the time. Amen. And then a question that's been popping up through this series, and I love this. Yeah. You always challenge us to ask ourselves and think and meditate and pray over it. What is the spirit saying to me? Mm-hmm. And then what am I going to do about it? Yeah, and I love those. Those are
0: two questions that form discipleship because now it makes it personal to you. And yeah. so, you know, just constantly through the series, what is God showing to you? What is the Spirit saying to you through the word? And then how are you going to live differently in, in light of that for sure? So that's good.
1: So I think as we go through this big idea and we know that death is the result of disobedience to God's good word, yeah. it will absolutely challenge us. To change how we view death, because when we view it as that separation.
0: Absolutely. Like,
1: my little white lie might not seem big in this moment, but we know this. We've watched, and we've used it, and I'm going to go through, like, a drug thing. Yeah. But, you know, oh, well, I'll just take a little drink or a little, and then you see, and I, I mean, we all know sure. somebody. I don't know anybody who doesn't know somebody Absolutely. who's watched just a little like completely explode into a life derailment. Yep. And it takes a while for them to come back into the fold. It and, takes time. And the
0: reality is, is that appetite lives in all of us. Mm-hmm. For some of us, it's just self-righteousness. Yeah, It's, well, I'm better than those people. I'm not the... It just manifests itself differently. But the root of it all is the broken heart that is sinful and that needs the good grace of God to change it. But we sure.
1: have that and we just... We forget that we have that. Amen. Jesus had the perfect life. So we don't have to. We have grace. And I'm so grateful for that because I could not live up to this. Adam couldn't either. And that is where all of this stems from. So one thing I want to ask you before we get into wrapping things up. Yes, ma'am. Because we do this for a purpose. We do this to dig a little deeper into this, into the sermon, to kind of unpack some things, maybe, you know, for people to ask questions. What is one thing this week that you wished you could have put in um, or you could have just spent a little more time on? Where's an area you wish you could have like dug a little deeper into?
0: Yeah, I really wish I could have dug deeper and talked a lot more about Romans and bridging that gap of physical death is a result of the spiritual death that stems from the disobedience of Adam and sort of tying all of that together. I think every the big question that we ask is where does death come from? Primarily in people's minds, it was the physical aspect of death, Mm -hmm. which I totally get and understand. But what we're learning is, is that the physical is only the result of the spiritual reality in light of that. And so I would have loved to have been able to get into more how death and sin, you know, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, for the wages of sin is death. So, the payment of sin, the result of sin is only and always spiritual death, which ultimately leads to physical death, and just fleshing that out more, but then tying in and seeing the beauty of God's grace in light of that. And so I just wish I could have spent a little more time on bridging that gap of the spiritual aspect from it. But yeah, but that's where I would really recommend Romans 3, 4, and 5. For people to read that is a great commentary. I on love
1: that, and I'm glad the listeners get to hear that, and yes. they can they can do that. Um, I have tagged in my Bible Romans because I kind of knew new things, um, and so we will absolutely follow through that. Um, if they have more spiritual questions, we're yeah, going to be here up through Easter because yep. you said it beautifully and you said it well. You can't have a resurrection. We can't Mm -hmm. have a celebration without Good Friday.
0: Jesus is not a solution if death is not a problem. And so that's why we're spending time on that. Guys, if you have any questions, please shoot us an email at info at westsidepb.org. You can shoot us a message on Facebook. You can do all of that. This week, the question will be, (laughs) I told Courtney, I said, man, it, you know we're just swinging for the fences every week for these like big questions like Go for no, it. yeah so this week is what happens to me after i die so Ooh. like what what does the bible say happens to me Um, whenever I die. And so um, it'll be interesting. We're going to look at um, other views on some stuff and see what the scriptures say. So it should definitely be interesting. But if you got any questions, please reach out to us. Check out that resource, A Case for Heaven by Lee Strobel. I think that would be great supplemental reading for you. During this series, we also announced something really cool Sunday. I am
1: so excited. Ladies and
0: gentlemen, we are doing Easter at the Rogers Woohoo. Theater again. That's right. April 17th at 10 a.m. We're doing the big Easter celebration, and we are going all out this year, man.
1: If you have never attended West Side. For Easter, yes, I highly recommend. It is a come as you are, but it is a party, yes, that is full of fun and love and celebrate, but prayer and Jesus, yes, are it's everything, whole, man. It's, that's the whole point of it all.
0: It's everything. So we will also be having a Good Friday service that Friday, um, April fifteenth, from noon to one thirty, and so we're asking everybody to fast, come to that. You can't have a resurrection until you have a crucifixion, so we'll have that service. Saturday's the setup for volunteers. Um, We had a great sign-up, and people sign up for that. We pray over the chairs, set up tables, do all kinds of stuff. If you want to get connected with that, you can reach out to us. And so, yes, you can go on our Facebook um, there is a graphic that you can add for your profile picture. You can go to our website. There's going to be a promotional video that goes live. This stuff is going to be everywhere. So we are super excited for Easter at the Rogers, April 17th at 10 a.m. Hey, guys, you got any questions? Send them in at info@westsidepb.org. Check us out this Sunday at 10 a.m. If you can't in person, check us out on Facebook Live on our Facebook page. And until then, may everything we do be all about Jesus. Amen. Thanks, guys. See ya.